This is The Public Speaker. Quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. Last week, I explained that for a keynote speech to be successful, it's critical to fully understand the audience and the organization so that you're able to include examples and language that will resonate with that audience. But what are the specific requirements of a true keynote speech? We'll cover that in a moment, but first, this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider for audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa. Remember, the primary purpose of a keynote speech is to be motivational. By definition, a motivational speech, it's highly emotional. It should inspire the listener to pursue and achieve professional or personal goals. This form of persuasive speech is very energetic and pragmatic and therefore requires stories, lots of them, humor, and a call to action. First, I am a huge believer in the power of story. Stories are the particular method that you need to use to make motivational speeches more credible and memorable. Stories about real people are how you tell your listeners the right action to take, or the wrong action not to take. If you follow the mechanics of good storytelling, which I've covered in other episodes, then your audience is likely to remember your story long after they've forgotten the other details of your talk. That's why all stories in a motivational keynote need to repeat and reflect the core message. That way, you're indirectly planting the seeds of action. Since keynotes are pragmatic, it's best to use stories drawn from your real-life experience or from the experience of your attendees. Or better yet, use familiar experiences of your audience and then tie them to your own experiences. Nelson Mandela was really good at this. When he talked in Harlem, he compared the struggles in Harlem with his struggles. And when speaking to audiences in other countries, he would reference their struggles. If you don't have your own stories to share, you can always find relevant current stories in books and newspapers, magazines, or even blogs. And if you want your point to stick, try to find uncommon or original stories. Please, please don't repeat the same old stories used by other speakers. That's just a quick way to lose your credibility and to lose momentum. It's important to spice up your stories with humor. In a keynote speech, humor isn't optional. I've already recorded several episodes on adding humor to presentations. So if you're creating a keynote, it would be good to review those episodes. In fact, there's a phrase among professional speakers that says, make it funny to make the money. I think, though, that your goal should be to have your audience both laughing and crying during your speech. So in keynote speeches, the humor is often located within powerful, impactful, emotional stories, and more specifically, within the dialogue. And by the way, in any speech, but particularly in a keynote speech, it's a good idea to give the characters, the other characters, the funny lines. For example, in my new book, I tell the story of how my mother took a large group of neighborhood children to the park. Here's the story. One day, a woman said to my mom, Hope you're having a good day at the park. Nice looking kids. Are they all yours or is this a picnic? And my mother replied sarcastically, Yes, they're all mine. And it's no picnic. 
Even though the overall story is serious, the dialogue adds a bit of humor and allows the funny line to be delivered by someone that isn't me. One benefit of putting the humor in the dialogue is that even if the audience doesn't laugh, they still will understand the overall point of the story. And it's okay if they just smile slightly or they don't even notice the attempt at the humor. That's still much better than an obvious failed direct attempt at humor. One of my favorite ways to add humor to stories is to share my inner dialogue. That's because for most of us, our inner dialogue, it's very honest and raw. We generally aren't comfortable sharing it in the course of our regular conversation, and certainly not in front of a large group of people. Since we normally can't eavesdrop on other people's internal thoughts, it's funny to hear someone else, especially when they comfortably admit aloud words that just aren't typically expressed. And of course, it's funny if it's something that we all think about. It's even funnier if you can slightly exaggerate the inner dialogue, still somewhat truthful, but on the edge of reality, and that'll make it even funnier. I once saw a not-safe-for-work video clip on Funny or Die, where someone spoofed Conan O'Brien's internal dialogue. It's when he was being interviewed on 60 Minutes about the very public Tonight Show reshuffle. The creator of the video added subtitles that reflected Conan's fake inner dialogue during the interview. It was really funny. For keynote speeches, I found that the best way to make the internal dialogue funny is to include the dialogue with external dialogue. What I said was X, but what I was really thinking was, and then you share your internal dialogue. Finally, although stories and humor are requirements for a keynote speech, the true hallmark of a keynote presentation is a single simple message or a call to action that's repeated over and over again in a variety of ways. By repeating your message, you're making your core idea more memorable. Of course, everyone is familiar with Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, which carried one powerful key message, that all people are created equal. Or perhaps you're familiar with Nelson Mandela's speeches after he was released by the South African government. Every keynote speech he delivered had one core message, support his African National Congress. Or maybe you saw the YouTube sensation Dalton Sherman. At the time, he was a young fifth grader, and he delivered a keynote speech at a teacher's conference. If you haven't seen this speech, I've posted it on my website. It's worth taking a look at. In his speech, he repeated the words, Do you believe? 11 times, which emphasized his central theme over and over again. To wrap up, stories, humor, and a call to action are requirements for a keynote speech. Keynote speeches take far more initial research, preparation, and practice than educational speeches. That's why a great keynote speaker earns the big bucks. This is Lisa B. Marshall, the public keynote speaker, passionate about communication. Your success is my business. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you the chance to try out the service. One audiobook to consider is The Help by Catherine Stockett. I can't wait to download that one. It came as a recommendation from my friend Larissa. I just love audiobooks because they're convenient, and for me, it makes cleaning my house a lot more fun. For your free audiobook of your choice, you can go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Lisa. Also, I wanted to let you know I'll be delivering another free seminar December 14th, 2011. Details can be found on lisabmarshall.com. 
If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com. <laughs>